Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. We are going to continue uh, walking through the book of Ezra, but before we get to the book of Ezra this morning, um, I want to walk through a verse in the book of Titus that's going to kind of tie into what we're talking about. So uh, if you have a Bible, open up to the book of Ezra, <clears throat> chapter 4. That's where we're going to be in. But I want to walk through uh, the book of Titus. Now, Titus is uh, one of the pastoral letters. It's one of the um, letters that Paul wrote to the pastors. And we do a series called... Uh, the pastoral letters, where we started in 1 Timothy, because that's the first letter he wrote to Timothy. Uh, somewhere down the road, we'll get back and we'll do Titus, because that's the next letter he wrote, and then we'll get to 2 Timothy. Um, but we are talking this morning about something that's very relevant today, right? And, and there's a lot of misconceptions about it. So rather than, here's what I think about it, I want us to look at what the Bible says about it, because a lot of people are talking about, you know, churches that are open, churches that are closed, churches that should be opening. Is the government coming against the church? Is the government overreaching against the church? Is the church supposed to submit to the government? Uh, all of these things in question, and it's causing a lot of division in the church. So I wanted to address, and it happens to tie in specifically to what we're going to talk about uh, in Titus, I mean in Ezra. So let me read from Titus, all right? This is what Paul wrote to Titus. He was talking to him about the authority he has as a pastor. And in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, remind people, this is the Amplified Version, remind people, meaning the church, to be submissive to their magistrates and authorities, to be obedient, to be prepared, and willing to do any upright and honorable work. Okay, so this is, again, him writing to the church, and he's saying, hey, here are the things that you guys are supposed to be doing, uh, but one of the things that you as a um, pastor are supposed to do is you're supposed to let people know that, hey, they're supposed to be submissive. Now, that word magistrates, in some versions it says to uh, rulers and authorities, that word submissive, it means to be willingly give your uh, consent to do so, right? So it's not like we're supposed to lay down and let the government walk over us. We're willingly supposed to give our consent. But it also, he says, to magistrates and authorities. Some uh, versions say to powers and authorities, but the idea is that you're saying, okay, uh, the government says yada, then we're going to be yada. The government puts up stop signs, we're going to stop at the stop signs. The government says, you know, it's against the law to rob and steal. We're not going to rob and steal. And he says, but also we're supposed to be obedient, be prepared and willing to do any upright and honorable work. What this and every other verse that talks about this says, though, is specifically referring to governments that are in line with God's laws and God's moralities. Okay? And I know some people are going to try to figure out where I'm going with this, and I guarantee you, no matter what your position on this, you're not going to like what I have to say. If you're the people saying, yeah, we shouldn't be listening to the government right now, you're not going to like what I have to say. If you're the people that saying we should be obedient to the government, you're not going to like what I have to say, because what I have to say is 
God's viewpoint on it, not, not a political viewpoint on it, uh, just what God says, God's viewpoint, okay? So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Ezra, uh, chapter 4, because what happened in Ezra's day is specifically what we're seeing now, not so much that there was a pandemic, okay? And if you're reading through Ezra, and I'm still trying to get my uh, post here to show up, and it's not, so I uh, can't see uh, what people are saying. Okay, just got to let that go. There it is. Okay. Bear with me. Again, I'm trying to do all this. Uh, Okay, there we go. All right, so in Ezra chapter 4, now this, when Ezra chapter 4 is, again, when this was written, there weren't Bible, you know, verses and chapters. So the very last thing that Ezra wrote about was what we talked about last week, was the rejoicing at laying the foundation of the temple. Then the very next sentence he wrote is chapter 4, verse 1, when the enemies of Judah, and that's important, all right, so as soon as they began to be the, church, for lack of a better term, and celebrate and rejoice. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel. They came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, let us help you build because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Now, this is important. They're building their temple. They're like, we're the people of God. We're going to worship now. We've been waiting 70 years to worship in the land that God gave to us. And soon as they did, the enemies came and said, we want to worship with you too, okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with enemies of God, people who don't know God coming up and saying, I want to know your God. But this was not their goal. And when they said, we worship God just like you, they didn't. So there are people today who, who, who go to church. That doesn't mean they are the church. Right? There are people who show up and been show up in the buildings for decades, do not have the spirit of God in them. They go because their parents made them go, and they kept going. They go because they got nothing better to do on Sunday. Or some people show up just because they like coffee and donuts. Right? That, that's true. There are people who will jump from church to church just because they like the morning breakfast. Those people are not the church. And there's nothing wrong with them coming, but we are supposed to understand that those people are not the people of God. Right? And so... What happened was that, uh, just to give you some background, the people who said, hey, we're the people of God, when Israel, northern nation of Israel, fell, they took some of the people from there and sent them there. And let me, let me give you some background, and you can see why. In 2 Kings, this is what it says, in the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria. That's the, that was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. There was the northern, and then there was the southern. And he settled them and deported the Israelites to Assyria. He settled them in Hala and Gaza and Haber River, towns of the Medes. So once he captured the northern kingdom, he took the people, took them back to Assyria, and said, you guys go live over there, some of you guys go live over there, and some of you guys go live over there. Then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharvim, and settled them in the towns of Samaria to replace the Israelites. And they took over Samaria, and they lived in the towns. And when they first lived there, they did not worship the Lord because they had, they had a different religion. They worshiped different gods, right, because they were from Babylon. So he, meaning God, sent lions among them, and the lions killed some of the people. 
So these people who are from Babylon, uh, once the Assyrians took over that kingdom, the northern kingdom, they took some of their own people and put them in God's land. And God was like, oh, heck no. So he sent lions in to kill those people. And this is what happened, right? It was reported to the king of Assyria, the people you deported and resettled in the towns of Samaria, they don't know what the God of that country requires. He sent lions among them. They're killing them off because the people don't know what it requires. So this was his solution. This is what he said. Then the kings of Assyria gave this order. Have one of the priests you took captive from Samaria, from Israel, go back and live there and teach the people what the God of that land requires. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria came to live in Bethel, taught them how to worship the Lord. So basically, God said, hey, you guys are living here. This is my land. This is holy land. You're not worshiping me. You're worshiping those old gods. So he sent lines in to kill them. So what the king of Assyria did is he took a priest, one of the Jewish priests, who he had taken out. He said, you get to go back. Now teach them how to worship me, how to worship God. Now, here's, here's the problem. <clears throat> and this is not a COVID cough. So just, I just got to keep reiterating that just so no one gets weirded out. Uh, once they started worshiping God, they started doing the godly things. They did the rituals. They said, you got to pray at this time. You got to come to the altar at this time. You got to do this. But they didn't worship and have the spirit of God in them. Right? So they were what was called false worshipers, or what you may not have heard this term, what people call them today, fake church gangsters. People who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a this, I'm a that. But you do the things, people see you going in and out of the church, but your lifestyle doesn't reflect it, right? So God wasn't happy with these people. And when they came, that's why uh, Ezra says they were enemies of Judah. But then verse 3, but Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the families in Israel answered, you have no part with us in building a temple to our God, we alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded. In other words, he said, hey, you guys can keep doing the, the, the churchy things that you're doing. We're going to actually engage in worshiping our God. Verse 4, then the peoples around them, now this is important, the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and to make them afraid to go on building. So the enemies of the church said, hey, we're going to harass you. We're going to belittle you. We're going to post bad things about you on Facebook, so much so that they made them, their intent was to make them afraid. And this next verse is even more important. They hired counselors to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now, this is important. You've got to really hate someone. It's one thing if I don't like you and I talk bad about you. It's one thing if I don't like you and I post bad things about you. It's another thing if I take my own money and my time and invest it in frustrating whatever you're trying to do. I mean, I have better things to do with my money than to spend it on stopping you from doing what you were called to do. But that's what they were doing. They took their money and hired people to say, we have got to stop what the church is doing. And the reason I bring this up is because this is, this is kind of what we see today or what some people perceive that we're seeing today. Right? A lot of people are like, hey, the government is out to get the church. 
right? And a lot of people are like, well, the government's not out to get the church. They have a lot of other issues on their hand. They're just making crazy decisions that impact the church. And we, as the church, we've got to decide, hey, is this the government trying to, like, intentionally stop what the church is doing or not? Now, uh, four administrations. The last thing we read is down through the uh, King Darius. Four administrations, right, or kingdoms or kings, this whole process occurred under. And it went back and forth and back and forth. The first, we talked about Cyrus in 538 B.C. He was the king of Persia. He favored the Jews. He funded their return, funded the rebuilding of the temple. He was like, hey, uh, and we talked about how the fact that because he, he, what was revealed to him was what Isaiah the prophet wrote about him 200 years before, that he was like, really? God not only wants me to fund you, but God lifted me up so that God could use me. You go back, you build your temple, you be the church, I'm going to pay for it. Okay? He's like, don't worry about it. Government right now is me, and I am all for the church. And the church is always happy when the government is all for them. But then there was Darius I. There were a couple of kings named Darius that ruled. Darius I, 522 to 486 B.C., he favored the Jews and blessed the work because of King Cyrus. In other words, he was like, I don't care what you guys do. Currently, the law says you can do it. Go do it. And um, you can follow along. But when you read through this, it jumps back and forth in time. So I'm going to put the verses up here. Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1, King Darius issued an order. They searched in the archive, stored in the treasury of Babylon. The reason he issued the order is because those people, the counselors that the enemies hired, they made this nice, long legal letter that said, hey, that the Jews are in violation of the law. You cannot allow them to continue. So Darius said, okay, well, let me do this. Let me, let me look at what the law says. And he went and he searched the archive, stored in the treasury of Babylon. He found what it says, and then he issued this law. Now then... Tatsani, governor of Trans-Euphrates, that's the area that we're in, they were in, and Shatar Bazanay, and you other officials of that provenance, the ones who wrote the letter saying they need to stop, uh, he said, stay away from there. Do not interfere with the work on this temple of God. Let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God on its site. So Cyrus, when he was king, said, yeah, go have at it. When Darius became king, people came in and said, hey, they're violating the law. Like some people are saying, hey, you churches that are meeting, why do you get to meet? You're violating the law. And, and Darius said, well, according to the law, they're fine. Leave them alone. Let them do them. All right? But then the next guy was a guy named Xerxes. 46 to 465 B.C., he kind of allowed the work to continue, we believe, because there's nothing saying that he didn't. Uh, it actually says this. Um, at the beginning of the reign of Xerxes, they lodged another accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem, but it doesn't say what he did about it. So the assumption is that he was just like, hey, I got, I'm not going to mess with this. Let the Jews do what they want to do. But the next guy, Artaxerxes, 464 to 425 B.C., he said, oh, heck no, let the work stop because he was afraid of the Jews, right? And in uh, Ezra chapter 4, <coughs> says this, In the days of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Bishlam, Mithrida, Tabio, and the rest of his associates wrote a letter to Artaxerxes 
letter was written in Aramaic script and in an Aramaic language, and it said basically the same thing. Hey, these Jews, uh, they're meeting, they're worshiping. We got to put a stop to this. They shouldn't do it. They're horrible people. And he says that they are working against the government. It's basically what he says. And this is what happens. The king sent this reply to the commanding officer, Shimshel, the secretary, the rest of their associates living in Samaria, elsewhere in Trans-Euphrates, greetings. And he says, the letter you sent us has been read, translated in my presence, and I issued an order, and a search was made, and it was found that this city, meaning Jerusalem, has a long history of revolt against kings and has been a place of rebellion and sedition. So from his perspective, he's like, I don't care what the previous administrator said. If we allow the church to be the church, they're going to be trouble. And he went on and he said, Jerusalem has had powerful kings ruling over the whole trans-Euphrates, and taxes, tribute, and duty were paid to them. Now issue an order to these men to stop the work so that this city will not be rebuilt until I so order. He says, be careful not to neglect this matter. Why let this threat grow to the detriment of the royal interest? His focus was not on, hey, what the people did or what the law did. He was afraid that if we allow them, they're going to take away money, they're going to revolt, they're going to do things that are against the law. And so we've got to put a stop to the work that they're doing. And this is, this is kind of relevant today because, again, uh, we have... And I was just talking about this. I think it was Andrew this morning or somebody this morning. Uh, where we have, uh, even though there's a mandate out, it differs from state to state on where people can gather, how many people can gather, whether churches can gather. The federal government has kind of said, hey, we're going to leave this up to the churches, I mean up to the states. And the states, each state has come up with some kind of different organization or, or, or what they're going to do about it. And in some cases, people are like, hey, they're not allowing the church to gather. And in other places, in the same state, like in Pennsylvania, there are churches like we're here, we're meeting. In the next town over, there are churches that are not meeting. And if you go another town over, there are churches that are meeting outside. And if you go another town over, there are churches that are not meeting outside, not meeting online, there's basically just a pastor who will write something up and put it online and say, this is the message for today, go read it. But the same law for Pennsylvania, I'm just talking about Pennsylvania because that's the only one I can reference, especially for Allegheny County, same law applies. But everyone is interpreting it differently. And because each church is interpreting it differently, it's causing division among the church. Because the people at the church where their doors are closed, some of them are saying, why are our doors closed, but I can hear the music from that church? And other ones are saying, hey, why aren't our doors closed? Because theirs are. Are we violating the government mandate? Are we putting people at risk? And it's one of those questions where you have to ask. And here's, here's, here's the question uh, that every single person has to ask, right? Here's the question. How should the people of God respond when the government commands us to, one, do what God forbids or forbids us to do what God commands? Right? That, that's the question. And it's a serious question, and it's become more prevalent probably in the last 20, 30, 40 years. No one really had to worry about that. But every single day 
as all the rules and, and, and regulations around COVID change, every person who calls himself a Christian or gathers in the church, they got to look at, well, what should we do? Should I show up at Crossroads because they're open, but what if they're in violation because the church down the street from them is closed? And that's the question. Is, is the government commanding us to do what God forbids, or are they forbidding us to do what God commands? That's, that's what we have to, to look at. And, 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 and let me share this um, quickly. Uh, when people look at the Bible, and, and I'm going to show you these verses, they take a lot of these verses out of context. So I'm going to put some verses up here, and I'm going to give you the background and the context without spending all morning going through all the entire uh, book of verses. So Romans, uh, Paul writes, and this is one of the verses that talks about, you know, submitting to the government. He says, let every person be loyally subject to the governing civil authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And this is the key, by his permission, his sanction, and those that exist do so by God's appointment. And that doesn't mean, this is where people take it, okay, that doesn't mean that God chose every king that is in power in countries where they have king, or every elected official that God elected, that God did that. That's not what that's saying. It's saying the structure of government was put there by God, and the expectation is that those elected officials, or those kings, if they're born into it, or queen, queen of England, that they would follow God's laws, God's morality, and God's judgment. And when they do, uh, Paul says this, whoever resists and sets himself up against the authorities, the authorities that are following God's laws, God's morality, uh, then they resist what God has appointed and arranged in divine order. And those who will resist bring judgment upon themselves. And Peter says the exact same thing in his letter, which when we finish this series on Ezra, we'll be walking through 1 Peter. He says, be submissive to every human institution and authority for the sake of the Lord, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to bring vengeance to those who do wrong. When Peter wrote this, he wrote this to Christians whose homes were being burned, who were being killed, who were being threatened, who were being persecuted. They weren't being told, you can't meet. They were being told, I will take your life if you profess to be a Christian. And this was the government that was doing it. And Peter said, be submissive to every human institution and authority. That brings us back to, do we obey the government or do we obey God? And again, the answer is yes. All right? So let me... Let me uh, let me share this quickly because all of these verses have to coincide again with God's plan, his morality, and his judgment. And I'll give you an example from the book of Acts. Uh, Acts chapter 5 says this. Some men came and reported to them saying, listen, the men whom you put in jail, the apostles, are standing right here in the temple and teaching the people. And they had been told, they had been arrested, they had been beaten, and they had been told, do not preach in the name of Jesus. And once they were released... They went out to the street corner and started preaching in the name of Jesus. And so they said, hey, they're out there doing it again. The military leader went with attendants and brought the prisoners without violence, for they dreaded the people, lest they be stoned with them. So they brought them, set them before the council, the Sanhedrin, the local government authority over them, 
And the high priest examined him by questioning, saying, we definitely, we commanded you, strictly charged you not to teach in or about this name. Yet here you flooded Jerusalem with your doctrine, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Because they were talking about the, the, that it was their fault that Christ was crucified. And here's the response that they gave. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. And that is the, the, the mandate for the church. Are we to obey the government? Yes. Unless the government is in violation of what God commanded us to do, or unless the government is forbidding us from doing what God commands. And here's the thing. I'm going to wrap this up uh, this way really quickly. Um, okay, a few more minutes. A lot of us have been, we've been just chaos because of this whole lockdown and opening and closing and lockdown. And so while we've been on quarantine, um, as I shared with you guys, and pray for this, I wrote a book about evangelism, still waiting for it to come out. It's in the publisher's hands, just waiting for them to, here you go, it's, it's published, it's printed, it's done. Waiting for that to come out, keep that in prayer. But I also wrote another book, right, about racism and from God's perspective. That one is finished, done. Uh, I just got it back from the editor. I'm waiting to send that one to the publisher until the first one comes out. It's like, get the first one done, and then I'll send this one to you, and hopefully in a couple of months that one will come out. Okay, bear with me, though. I also wrote a third book. So for those of you who thought I've just been sitting on TikTok making funny videos, I've actually been doing, like, stuff. So the third book, I'm about halfway through. It's specifically about politics, but not from our perspective, because in our Western mindset, politics either Republican or Democrat. That's all we know. This is politics from God's perspective, right? And in that book, I specifically talk about this, because this is what's going on in our nation right now. And, and, and I outline this. The way that we respond as the church, this is specifically for those who call themselves Christ followers, the way that you respond to government actions and policies, we have three choices. If you're a Christ, a Christ follower, three choices. Uh, when they put out a law, a policy, a mandate, or whatever, we can receive it. Right? We can say, okay, I'm, I'm, that's fine, I'll just do that. And usually those are laws that have no moral impact on us. Like whenever they change daylight saving times, we throw a fit and then we just, we just follow along. We say whatever, okay? I mean, it's ridiculous, it's crazy. It doesn't morally impact us at all. It doesn't morally impact the culture. So we just say, yes, we'll do it. We'll get up at this time. We'll change at that time. We really don't care until that one day when we lose an hour. That's the only time we throw a fit. Other than that, you haven't heard anyone complaining about daylight savings time since daylight savings time, right? So we just receive it. That's option one. Option two is that we can reject it. And usually those are the laws that they don't directly impact us, but they're going to have an impact on the culture. And that's when we say, we don't want anything to do with this. We're opposed to it. We're going to reject it. We're not going to accept it. And the one that comes to mind, even though it's a big one, uh, is abortion, right? The government isn't saying, hey, Floyd, you got to have an abortion. Hey, Christy, you got to have an abortion. The government is saying, you have to accept that that's what's happening in the culture, even though they're not telling me to do it. And most Christians say, well, hey, that kind of violates, even though it's not asking me to do it, I'm going to reject that. Hopefully we're not 
belittling or talking bad about the women who do it, right? What we should be saying is to the government is, hey, here's a better alternative, which is there are lots of organizations that their goal is to say, hey, here's, they go to the women and say, here's a better alternative rather than an abortion. Here's other things to consider. And, and that's the Christian way that we should do it. We reject it. Uh, we speak out against it. Uh, we support and say, here's, here's other God-honoring ways to achieve that same goal. Right? But we reject it. We're, we're not going to abide by this, but we're not breaking the law because it's not telling us to do it. Does that, does that make sense? So we reject it. We want nothing to do with it. The third one is where we as Christians get ourselves in some trouble sometimes because that's where we say we're going to rebel against it. Right? That's where, that's where uh, we have to look at before we rebel does what the government is asking me to do, not what they're saying is okay in a culture, what they're telling me as a Christian to do, does it forbid what God commands? Or does it command me to do something that God forbids? And this is where, because we all see it differently, this is where the church is so divided. There are people over here, this is why some of the churches are closed in Pennsylvania, in our county, because they're saying the state says that we can't open uh, we can't do this, so I'm not going to open. And the reason why you guys are sitting in the building and why we're here is because I'm like, they haven't told me I can't stand up here and preach, and they haven't told you you can't come in here and listen and celebrate God. So before we rebel and say the government is wrong, we've got to look and say, hey, does it forbid what God commands, or are they commanding me to do what God forbids? And we've got to get that crystal clear because the second thing is, if we do rebel, are we willing to pay the consequences? Right? The verse we just read in Acts, the apostles were whipped. They knew they were going to get whipped. They knew they were going to get beaten. They knew, and a whipping, I'd rather be put in prison for 30 days than for me to be stripped, uh, put up on whatever they put me on, and hit with a whip because it hurts. Nobody likes pain, Right? Just let me sit in a cell for 30 days, feed me, go to the bathroom. I'll get caught up on Netflix when I get out. I can do that. I don't want to get whipped. They knew they were going to get whipped, but they were specifically told and commanded to do something that they said, we, 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 we can't abide by that. They were told, you cannot preach in the name of Jesus. And they were like, you're you're, you're forbidding us to do what God commands. That's the only name that we can preach in. And they said, we're willing to pay the consequences. You remember the story of Daniel? Daniel got thrown in the lion's den because they were told, you cannot pray to anyone else except this man who we're going to say is a God. Daniel said, that's not my God. I know the consequences. I'm going to pray. Now, God spared him. That doesn't mean God's going to spare us. Daniel's friends were thrown in a fire because they were told, hey, you have to worship this idol. They were like, you're commanding me to do something that God specifically forbids. It's in the top ten of what God forbids. You shall not worship idols in the Ten Commandments. You're telling me to do that. I can't do that. They were thrown into a fire. God spared them, but that doesn't mean God is going to spare us. When we look at what does the government say, we've got to make crystal clear, understand are they asking us to do something that God said we shouldn't do? Are they commanding us to do something that God said we shouldn't do? Are they forbidding us from doing something that God said 
you must do. And we've got to have that crystal clear, which is why uh, I was on the line with uh, one of the pastors in, uh, he's in this area, but he's friends with some of the pastors in California. And the reason why some of the pastors in California have rebelled is because they specifically said, hey, it's not they're saying that businesses can't meet. They targeted churches and said, you churches cannot meet. And they said, okay, we'll just meet in homes. Nope, you cannot meet in homes either. You can't sing. You can't meet in homes. Well, we'll break down the groups of like 10. And, and instead of this, I'll just take this half. We'll go to my home. That half will go to Beth's home. They said, no, you can't do that. And they said, now you are specifically targeting us because they still have bars that are meeting, casinos that are open. And they targeted the churches. And the churches said, hey, we're willing to pay the consequence because now you are forbidding us to do what God commands. And we're going to keep meeting. Whatever the consequences are, we're going to be willing to pay them. So I know, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads, and we're going to spend just a few minutes just praying for God's discernment, God's understanding, and for all of these local congregations. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head. God, we lift up the people of God to you this morning. And we pray that you would give us crystal clear discernment and understanding on what it is that you would have us do regarding these regulations that are coming down that have to do with COVID. Make it clear to us whether or not it's just, you know, the limitations that we're experiencing are the same limitations that other businesses are experiencing. Make it clear to us whether it's just because they're, you know, whether it's good sense or not, they're trying to limit the spread. And if that's the case, then allow us to, okay, we'll, we'll do our part to help limit the spread. But if there is a crystal clear mandate that is forbidding us as the people of God from gathering, from, from getting together, from worshiping, and it doesn't have to be in a building, we can meet in homes, we can meet in parking lots, wherever, but where there is a crystal clear mandate that says that churches cannot meet, where churches are targeted, then I pray that you would give wisdom, strength, and courage to the people of God that we would rebel and stand up and be the church and do what you have called us to do and gather together and worship your name with everything that we have. God, I pray that you would, uh, as we read, that you would give crystal clear understanding, not just to one church, not just to some of the churches, but to all of your people so that we might be in unity in how we act and so that we might make that proclamation that the apostles made, that we must serve God rather than men. And I pray that you would make sure that we understand that that men just, uh, serving men doesn't just mean the government. It also means responding to serving a political party or responding or serving uh, what social media and the culture says. We pray that we would understand clearly to hear from you your will in this matter. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. And I'm going to ask you to continue to just keep praying for this because you're going to see more and more division. And you're going to see panic amongst the church as people are like, the government is panic, you know, targeting us. We're in the last days. They're shutting us down. And 
We're being persecuted, and this is far from persecution. Persecution is what people are experiencing that are being dragged out of their homes. And I just uh, read another case of a woman who uh, her husband was dragged out and killed, and the family threatened, and her home burned to the ground simply because they as a family were worshiping God. That's persecution. So keep this in prayer as this drones on. And after all that horror message, I pray that you have an awesome rest of your Sunday. (laughs) God bless and see you guys all next week. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.